Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct-to-video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Mediterraneo. Mediterraneo takes place during World War II. A small company of Italian soldiers are stationed in isolation near a Greek island. While patrolling the seemingly abandoned village, their ship is blown up and they lose radio contact. After they are trapped, the women and children cautiously reemerge, and the soldiers try to build a relationship with the locals. Screenplay by Enzo Monteleone, directed by Gabriel Salvatores, and released in Italy on January 31st, 1991. Have you seen Mediterraneo before? No. Have you heard of it? No. I only know the box art. I did. I if you would have, I don't know if you would have like covered up the title but shown me the box art, I would have. There's. I wouldn't have been able to tell you what it is, but I do recognize two the box. Different ones. There's like the one where the lady is like up front leaning on a thing. Yeah. And then there's another one that I see where you see um like an airplane landing. Okay. And then a soldier and a woman. Okay. I'm familiar with the woman leaning. Leaning on That's the... what I remember seeing in the store. Okay. Um. Oh man. This this <laughs> this 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 movie won the Academy Award for the best foreign yes. language film for 1992's awards, so the 1991. We've now seen three of the five nominees. The other two are also very difficult to track down. This is only on VHS and imported DVD. Um, the two that we have not covered are Elementary School from Czechoslovakia and Children of Nature from Iceland. I, I have to imagine this is the worst of the bunch. Yeah. Of the five. The other, the other two are Ox, which we already covered. Yeah. And then raise the red lantern. And raise it, and I, I well, just now because I didn't. We were watching this. I was like, "What other movies was this up against besides the axe?" And, I mean, raise the red lantern should have won. Out of those five. I mean, we've seen three of the five, and of the three, Raise the Red Lantern should have won. And I'm trying... I mean, this is like what... by far. <laughs> this is where, you know, when certain movies get nominated, or, or even winning an Oscar, and you're like, why? <laughs> There's always, like, two or three categories where everyone's surprised, and they're like, what? And I, f- I don't know what... Well, you know how they People's... say there's, like, <laughs> you know how they say there's like a lot of campaigning and how it's politics. Yeah, I mean, because I'm I'm trying to think like why this one was because of 
Miramax. The war. Oh, okay. So I, I think it's Miramax. I think I think it's simply put that Miramax really was um, a, a force to be reckoned with with a lot of award seasons, and they used this as an opportunity to market their films as worthwhile and sort of like build up their thing. I I really think that's probably all it was is that they had a campaign to get their movie front and center and giving the votes. They probably put out like tons more screeners for that one than other people would, you know. Why did Miramax, uh, get Why did they get this movie? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Well, here's, here's the other weird thing though. Okay. They also had Double Life of Veronique. Miramax. Yes. Yeah, that's what. But that never even reached the nomination stage. It was, it was submitted. Oh, it was submitted... Okay, so the way the Academy Awards works, each country gets to submit one film for Best Foreign Film. Okay, yeah. Double Life of Veronique was that country's submission. It, France. Poland. Oh, Poland, okay. Um, because oh, France... Yeah, the Polish... France actually submitted Van Gogh. Okay. Which we have so... not watched. And they did not submit La Belle Noiseuse. They did not submit All the Mornings of the World. They submitted Van Gogh, which we have they not watched. They should have submitted... La Belle Noiseuse in All the Mornings of the World. Either one of those. I mean, honestly, again, we haven't seen Van Gogh. That still might be a really good movie. Yeah. But <laughs> those, the other two are, are high on our lists, right? Um, but yeah, Double Life of Veronique was shortlisted in terms of, you know, submitted for that country. Did not make the cut of five. Um, so I guess, you know... If Miramax got like, the one out of the five that's in there, then that, that might be part of it. So here, here's a couple other ones that, that were considered or, you know, submitted by their respective countries that were not selected for nomination. Um, I'll start with, like, the lower ones first. That, you know, like, Toto, the, ones that I've heard of. Toto the Hero, High Heels, which is, in, okay. uh, you know, uh, from Spain, Almod uh, yeah. Almodovar. Yeah. Rhapsody in August, Akira Kurosawa's film from Japan, Van Gogh, Double Life of Veronique, and also A Brighter Summer Day. Oh, okay, yeah. None of those made it. Can you imagine an award season where you have, like, Raise the Red Lantern, Double Life of Veronique, Brighter Summer Day, Belnaw Zeus, or, you know, uh, All the Mornings of the World? Like, that's a that's powerhouse. I don't know. That's, that's so much. Only yesterday, obviously, wasn't in there because you have Rhapsody in August from Kurosawa instead. Yeah, they which wouldn't. Makes a lot more and sense. plus, that's like a that's an animated movie, and they didn't. Well, I know. Yeah, it wasn't really recognized. I know this year was the year where they first had an animated movie for best movie, mm -hmm. but they're not gonna do a quote foreign movie, a foreign animated movie for best movie. No, definitely. They wouldn't not. do that. Until they had the the new category for animated movie. <laughs> when they started having Miyazaki movies on it, like Spirited Away. Yeah. Yeah, there have been a couple recent examples of animated foreign films. Um, I can't remember the big name one that was the past couple of years. It, you know, it was, about, it was an animated film, I think, about war. I really don't remember the name of it off the top of my head. If you look at the past nominations from years past, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> long story short, this, sorry to say, does not deserve it. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, I mean, it was, 
it was released in Italy on January 31st, 1991 by Penta Distribution. And then it premiered at the 1991 Toronto International Film Festival in September of 91, where Miramax purchased the rights of this movie. But I want to know why. (laughs) (laughs) It's supposed to be a comedy. It's... It's not good. It tries, and then I'm like... It's like... It's, it sort of falls under that same thing that we talked about before where it's like very early 80s comedy where, I don't know, like the fact that two people are bickering is the joke. Not so much what they're saying, but just the situation of, oh, you shot my animal and I'm mad about it. Biden, blah, 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 blah. And they're yeah, just arguing back and forth and like, like trying to improv. Benny Hill crap. type comedy because even when they whenever they shoot their guns it goes it makes those stupid noises that were Mm -hmm. making me so mad it's like no i i love this person you can't don't eat don't come close to me and shoots and like and they're just yelling back and forth and that's that's the joke that's the entire punchline it's not good it's not i don't know <laughs> You're looking at me I'm, like this. Well, because I was reading reviews, I'm like, who likes okay. this movie? And then, did you read the trivia? I didn't. I didn't read any reviews, but yes, I did look into this whole situation where Roger Ebert and yes. Gene Siskel both walked out of this movie and refused to review it. Yeah, I was looking to see if they did ever write a review, and they did they not. They did not, <laughs> and and I was like, whoa. But then when I was reading on IMDb, there's user reviews. And they're giving this movie, like, an 8 out of 10 and saying, like, this is a very lighthearted and beautiful movie about, well, escapism and whatever. I'm like, okay, I get it, but... But I also don't. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, I kind of want to talk about the Roger Ebert thing because I okay. did find... Um, so, one, he, he says he rarely wonks out on movies. Yes. Very, very rarely. It did happen a couple times after this movie, like Brown Bunny. Oh, okay. And um, there's another movie where he famous, I forget the name of it, but he, he famously walked out of it like after eight minutes and still wrote a review for it. Was it like nothing and, like, the but director, trouble or something? No, no, oh, no. Okay. It's, it was like from a 2000 something. Oh. Um, and like the director like rightfully complained about it <laughs> it's like hey oh. you can't write a review off of eight minutes of a movie that's just bullshit um this movie he supposedly found no redeeming qualities of it uh whatsoever and that you know he and siskel both were in the same screening alone together just those two and they both agreed you know let's shut it off and, and leave i saw i found a a, a video online of him being interviewed at like a book signing and, and that's Roger he, Ebert? yeah oh okay where he brought it up oh okay um, and basically he uh, one of the questions was how do you decide what foreign films you just you review on the show or in print mm. and he said that if we're going to review something on the show or in print we're pretty much only going to review the ones that we like because it's so rare for people to find foreign films in general, right? Like it's so rare that people will actually step out of their comfort zone and and watch them. 
we don't want to promote the ones that we don't think are worthwhile. Yeah. We're only going to show you the good ones to, you know, try to entice you to explore your, um, explore new things. So I think that explains why they never wrote the review. I, but I mean, to say it has no redeeming qualities and that it was so offensive to walk out, I never, I could not find a reason for that specific statement. Because this movie, on a surface level, is just bland. But it's not offensive. It, it, okay, we watched Millions, and I thought Millions was like a TV movie. This also feels like a TV movie. And it also reminded me, I, no, I didn't watch MASH a lot. I was like, is this MASH, but like in Italy? Well, I think that's, I think that's probably um, kind of what they were going for, honestly. I think that's a very good comparison. And I think that might be something that Roger Ebert took offense of. Okay. Because looking at the other list of, of movies that he walked out on, a lot of them have like strong, explicit content, like Caligula, Brown Bunny, stuff like that. Yeah, so he just doesn't like... But he always claims that it's not that. It's, you know, the way that they handle... Sex in his face. He doesn't want to see that. Or, or but just, he claims it's not that the, it's the sex, it's, it's, it's the, you know, the surroundings of it. Like Caligula, he's like, it's so debaucherous, but there's no joy in mm -hmm. that movie. And it's weird that, you know, whatever. Anyway, I've never seen Caligula. I don't really care that much about that one. But... I do kind of wonder if he took offense to the subject matter of this movie because you have Italians in World War II and you're turning them into jovial, fun-loving fellows who are trying to get along with the Greeks when in reality the Italians committed atrocities towards yeah. the Greek people in World War II. Yes. And so I wonder if that's, like, the whitewashing of history is what he found offensive more than anything? I have no... Maybe? Like, trying to rewrite, like, this revisionist expression See, I'm of this whole yeah, thing? Yeah, that's why, like, we're... I'm wondering people who... We're too young. Like, this... I mean, I know World War II history... I'm wondering of people who lived like during that time, even seeing this movie, had any connection with it? Like, did anyone connect with this movie? I'm sure. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure the older audiences, you know, people who are older than Roger Ebert, would have definitely been around. You know, because that was the 40s, is the 90s, so, you know, like, we're looking at... I know, yeah. So, just, people so who were in their, people, like, 70s, 80s, 90s, they lived through it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, like, the people who lived through it and they watched this movie, are they liking this? I don't know. <laughs> or that's what I want to... And again, it, like, where are they I just from know... as well? It, will that matter? Yeah. You know, people who are in, in Italy, would they like it more than people who in America? I don't fully know. Yeah, because, I mean, we didn't, I, like, the World War II history that I think was taught here, they don't really delve too much into, like, Italy's connection to it. No. 
they really don't at all. Like at least our like what I was taught in history. I don't know. I'm just saying like U.S. history. When when we're taught World War Two, we don't. They don't really. We're not. I think we just like taught about Mussolini and that's it. But it's um like we don't. I don't know. I had to Google like the military history of Italy during World War Two. I was like, I know that they were the the, Mu, the whole Mussolini thing, but then I was reading into the French. Like it was just like this whole it. Basically, there was like a parallel war with Italy and other countries surrounding Italy like in the Mediterranean Sea uh-huh. area so it was but also the British because when the British do come at the end of this movie you know they're kind of like making fun of each other uh-huh. it's like I'm not I'm not getting it because I don't know <laughs> but that's why yeah, it's, it's just like it just felt like more of a yeah it's just like Italy is trying else. to take over like parts of northern africa and like the middle east so there is a part where you know you have because this island they're on it's a greek island but it's so far east it's really close to turkey because there are men from turkey that are like taking a boat over to yeah there's a turkish person who shows up well so it's really someone playing a turkish person i don't know if he's actually turkish yeah uh he's actually one of the producers of the movie okay and there was like this whole thing it's like racist i don't know they were like oh it's like they even make this whole thing where it's like one face like we all look the same yeah it's, it's there's a couple different catchphrases but yeah one of them is like one face, one race. Yeah. Type of a thing. Like, hey, yeah, we're all brothers. Like, you know, solidarity. But then they were, like, making fun of Turkey. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah, well, yeah. the Greek people are like, no, yeah, I never trusted fucking Turks. Yeah, yeah. And I was <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, that's probably, like, their humor. And you're like, haha, yeah, we don't. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, I, I honestly do think that that's probably part of the joke is some of these racist things that that are happening in this thing. But yeah, I mean, some of the stuff that they they don't allude to a whole lot of what's happening in the war, and part of that's intentional, right? Because they lose their radio very early on. They yeah. are not able to communicate with anybody. They're stranded on this island because their ship is blown up, and they don't have a way to contact anybody to say, "Hey, we're trapped." And evidently it happens in, like, they're there for three years all of a sudden we find out? Yeah, I thought they were there for three months. If that. Like, three weeks. Like, I don't know. Just randomly they say, oh yeah, it's been three years. Yeah. And everyone looks the same. Everyone's wearing the same clothes at all times. Well, yeah, I mean, I get that because they're stranded and what clothes is is I guess, but at the same time, like... Where is this village getting all their supplies and stuff? Like, they, they can't possibly get absolutely everything that they need. Well, they had they were growing the their own... own crops and fishing and stuff for food. They And then you had the sheep herder lady. They were probably... I don't... I'm just saying, like, there are like connections other... to the outside world that the village probably had. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Especially, like, when one of the main jokes... 
is this one guy who's trying desperately to get back to his pregnant wife who evidently now has a toddler on her hands mm-hmm. um and that's a recurring joke that he wants to get away from the war he just wants to go home. And so he keeps on getting caught in these different modes of transportation and thrown out because he's not allowed to be on them or whatever. He's like, please, just let me go home. Yeah. Ha, 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 ha. Right. I'm talking myself into hating this movie more. That's <laughs> <laughs> what it is. I feel, but I feel a zero is coming. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be that bad. But <laughs> okay. Like, okay. Because I don't find it offensive. But again, I'm not... I understand, like, if, if anyone is offended by the whole whitewashing of history thing, then I, I get it. Because they don't talk a whole lot about the war. When they do mention Mussolini, they're almost just like, eh, that's fascism for you. What are you going to yeah. do? And I mean, then that's they just... probably, like, funny to whoever's watching this at the time. Yeah, it's almost like <clears throat> comedic relief. like, whew, didn't we dodge that bullet? Yeah. But... And it's tough if you want to try to make a comedy to also deal with crushing realities of war, right? That's, it's a tough balance Mm -hmm. if you want, if you actually want the movie to try to do both. I think, yeah, where the movie just goes wrong is maybe setting it in World War II to begin with. Does it have to be during an active wartime that this happens? Because in reality, this is basically just like a Gilligan's Island type of scenario. They're supposed to be there for four months just monitoring this random ass part of the world where nothing's going to happen yeah and then lo and behold while they while they are on land just looking around their ship happens to be destroyed by i don't know the british i think yeah who we don't who know destroyed sure. their stuff wouldn't they if they destroyed their stuff wouldn't they also want to come back on that island and continue destroying you know what i'm trying to say well not necessarily or, like, because if it's an ally of the greeks trying oh. to destroy the Italians, the Italians who are the enemies of the Greeks. Yeah. Then they're not going to come onto the Greek land and try to see like try help to, your... try to find any stragglers or, oh, okay. or, you know, see if there are any other soldiers. So I understand that, but um boy is it Tom. Um the other part that doesn't help it is that they basically tell a story that really only deserves to be like 15 20 minutes long and takes 90 minutes to do it it's a short movie but but there's not much substance there it's soldiers lost and now they're gonna they're all like off doing their own thing and most of it's inconsequential and then there's this one person who falls in love with the town prostitute yeah that whole storyline about like when all the Greek. So when these soldiers land on this island, they think it's like a deserted island for a couple days, and then all of a sudden, all the townspeople, the women and children, come out because they're probably like, "Oh, these guys aren't gonna kill us or do anything. They're harmless." Yeah, I don't know why they trust them all of a sudden, but yes, the kids and like they're are like messing, messing with the, with the guy, and whatever, and they're just like. Yeah, he's just not. He's not even like, oh, I'm gonna get you. He's just like, what the hell? He he's it's like, oh my god, there's he, people. Yeah, yeah. He's like, what the hell? There's people, and then he tells his other soldiers, and then all of a sudden you see them like smoking a pipe with all of these guys, and um, 
they, I don't know what they were doing. Were they just, like, interviewing all the people? Because she comes into the room, and she's like, I had a job. And they're like, okay, what's your job? And she says, puta, but, you know, which means whore. And then they're like, what is that? And they're like, oh, putana. I'm like, <laughs> They're, yeah, they're very like, close well, in they, language. I don't know. They're like trying to just confirm, like, wait, and uh, like you, you gotta be careful with what you're saying because what you're saying sounds like you're saying you're a whore. She's like, and yeah, she's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I yeah, am. No, that's me. Yeah. Like that's supposed to be funny. Yeah. And then there's this whole scene where I thought was like gr- gross, where all the men are like, okay, you take her Wednesday, I'll take her Tuesday, and then we'll have this day and this day off for her. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that sound great? And they're all taking turns with her, and she, and then there's the one guy, Farina, Antonio mm-hmm. Farina. He doesn't want to sleep with her, and she's like, "Why won't you sleep with me?" And we find out that you know he's a virgin, and then eventually they sleep together. He falls in love with her, yeah, and he th- wants his first time to be for love. They fall in love, and that <laughs> they sleep together. And then, like, the next morning when some other soldier was going to go to her house, that's when he starts, like, shooting his gun out the window saying, Now she's mine. Yeah. And then the lieutenant's like, Eh, what are you going to do? Yeah, and the, but they're like, like oh. Well, they're in love, so what are you going to do? Yeah, they're like, oh, but do you love him? She's like, yeah, okay. And then, like, the next scene, they're married. Yep. And then that was that. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I, oh. They weren't interviewing people, I don't think. I think she, she purposely just came, came in. there. She was like, I need a job? No, like, this is my job. I'm open for business. Oh, okay. But I, I think that's the whole pur- purpose of her I thought they were, like, like, interviewing. Hey, I need money. You're here. All the men are gone because they're at war. Yeah, except so, for the priest. Yeah, except for the priest and, like, the Obviously, elders. Yeah. So, hey. I'm open for business now. Yeah. And then they even asked, well, Farina asked her, like, why did you choose this life? And she's like, well, my mom was my grandmother, my sister, so this is all I know. And then some other guy from some other battle brought her to that specific town. And And left her there. And And then, like, there's a parallel relationship where you have this sheep herder woman... She yeah. doesn't have a speaking role. It's just her no. looking all pretty over her shoulder all the time. Or naked. <laughs> yeah. Just like <laughs> random cuts to her like topless. Yeah. And then it, it turns into like a thruple because it's like the two brothers. Yeah, there's two brothers on the crew. There's a lot of people in this movie like that eight are or very nine. quickly introduced. And most of them are worthless. In terms yeah. of plot. And like they don't need to exist. Yeah, it's the two brothers and this sheep herder woman, they fall in love with her and she's in love with them equally and they're you just see them like the the first time you see them together they're naked and they're like pinching each other's nipples or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was cracking. Yeah, they're like up. taking turns like, Hey, look at me and then pinch. Hey, it, look it at remi- me like oh grab. It it just reminds me you haven't seen the Blue Lagoon, have you? No. Oh. It's kind of if we do get around, because there's the return. Yeah. Is nineteen ninety one. Which, ugh. <laughs> it is supposed to be one like, of the worst movies of this year. Yeah. Um. Well, the first one is like, why? But 
the like okay it's the blue lagoon do you know like the premise not really i know they're on the island they're like two two they were like two kids who got stranded on the island and like their caretaker or whatever dies so it's like kids growing up a boy and a girl growing up together and then when they're like teenage years they're like looking at each other weird like oh you have boobs that's what it remind me of. Okay. Like the Blue Lagoon. Like the gotcha. guys looking at the girl like, oh, I'm feeling things. Right. Because <laughs> that's what it reminded me of. Yeah, I can understand that. It is very Because they're all looking at each other like They're all adults, shyly. but it is very child look. Child like, I don't know, like weird touching yeah <laughs> yeah and then they do like a skinny dipping thing yeah basically like the the Moonerone brothers are supposed to be like keeping a lookout of the sea and they're stationed away from everyone else in the village so they can yeah. set off a flare if anybody happens to come by and so the sheep herder later ladies is also just there and then they just like get it on i guess the whole the whole, the whole time because at the end of the movie she's pregnant and they just leave yeah they leave like, okay, goodbye. Her. And she's cool with it. Yeah, everyone's cool with it. They're like, oh, well, I mean, you gotta go home now. That's the joke. She's pregnant. Ah. Which Goodbye. one? Which one's the father? Yeah, both no, of them. Well, Who well. knows? <laughs> yeah. I wish... Okay. And then at the very end when the movie time jumps like 30 years. Cause <laughs> yeah. It's like they only, they only showcase three of the nine, eight or nine soldiers that were there it's you know the main lieutenant guy Farina and then LaRusso or whatever the mm-hmm. LaRusso yeah LaRusso he's like the, the big, sergeant the big boisterous butch man yeah those three get together at the end but I kind of wanted to know about that pregnant woman and I was like did those guys ever come back to see her but Probably not. Yeah. I don't know. There's so there's so much weird, random garbage that happens in this movie. It's, and... and then, like, the lieutenant guy, he's, like, the leader or kind of, like, the um, narrator of this. Yeah, both. Supposed movie. to be. But he's just off painting in the church. Yeah, he bonds with, like, the, the they priest. They call him Pope. Oh, the Pope. Wait, is he a like they call him pope but that's the name like of him priest. in the movie but yeah he's basically yeah like the priest guy is like hey do you want to paint these murals in this church and they that's like then him the lieutenant bonding with like the townspeople and even some of the soldiers they spend a long period of time painting the walls of this church and, and then turns each... all of the people into their own frescoes. They're, he's turning the soldiers into religious figures. Yeah, he's turning like, and that's probably supposed to be funny. Like, yeah, this guy looks like Jesus. Right. <laughs> but again, like going back to the whole. Like, and then it's like that whole one atrocities of war mm-hmm. thing. It's yeah, like, yeah. Hey, we're your saviors. Yeah. Even though we're your enemies. Mm-hmm. Like, there is that context if you you know choose to look at it that way. I don't know if Ebert got that far in the movies. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And then, I mean, eventually the British come. (laughs) Well, there's a guy who's also in the Italian army who has to crash land on the beach. Oh, yeah. Because, I don't know, okay, there's a couple different sequences where they're playing soccer on on the shore. And LaRusso, both times, 
is super oblivious to something very obvious that's happening behind him because you know comedy and i forget what happens the first time but the second time there's like a giant well not a giant but you know like a a, a single person plane yeah. landing on the beach behind him and he pretends like you know like because of comedy, he has to pretend like he doesn't hear it or see it or anything. Yeah. And even though he sees everyone else running away, he's like, ah, I'm the best at what I'm doing. Ah, isn't this amazing? Yeah, and then the guy who lands, he's like, oh, but they won because I saw it from afar or something. Yeah. Like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that wasn't a penalty. I saw it from up there. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's supposed to be the joke. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he lands and basically fills them in. And that's when we learn that it's been three years and he's like, yeah. oh, uh, I, I just had to do this little crash landing, you know, temporarily. And then, like, he basically just stays for a day, fills them in, and be like, oh, yeah, this is what's been happening the past three years in the war. By the way, Mussolini's dead. And then, goodbye. Maybe help will come. I'll, I'll see if I can get some help to come, but who knows. Mm -hmm. He, like, he has a play, I, I don't know. Yeah. He should be able to radio for somebody from That's the plane. That's why I was like, what, what was his purpose at all to like i thought to he be was the gonna rescue actually, person but he i mean i guess he, he eventually did. sent the british yeah but yeah he's like oh yeah by the way the americans and the british they're like you know they have pretty good food or something I don't yeah know. it's just stupid and the british come and they're just like yeah pack your shit we're going home <laughs> basically yeah and then farina's like no i don't want to i don't want to go i'm happy here with you know, the love of my life, who I'm now married to. Yeah, and then... And they're like, well, but you're going to be like a war criminal for not, you know, for abandoning your troop or whatever. And it's like, I don't fucking care. So. And, I mean, and then LaRusso does this thing, because LaRusso is the one that's looking for him, and he's, like, hiding in a bucket of olives or some shit. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, he says, I don't want to go, exactly what you said, and... He's like, I'm in love, I'm married, and LaRusso is like, well, it's not gonna be, it's not a legal marriage, because you didn't get married in Italy or something like that. Yeah, it's not gonna be recognized in Italy. Yeah. And he's like, I don't care, I love her, and then when he comes back to his other troop members, I guess, and the British... Uh, he's like, I looked everywhere and I can't find him. So he, yeah. like, just lied for him. Yeah, and then there's the other guy who was trying to find um, a way off the island in order to get to his wife. He found a rowboat shortly before the British came, so I think that's also supposed to be a joke, is that he happened to find a random yeah, rowboat but, like, the closest country... and rowed out into the sea yeah. before the British actually came and saved him. The closest country is Which Turkey. Which he didn't know was happening. And, I mean, when he lands in Turkey what <laughs> it's I, I just didn't understand but yeah the, the british take them and that's when you know all the way and then that's when they bring back the greek soldiers because all the men from that island are returned too and mm -hmm. then you see all the women embracing their husbands there's like this weird part where one of the guys had a relationship with one of the wives he hugs her and then the husband of that wife just looks him like me gives yeah. him this mean look like what the fuck yeah you've been with my woman but then that's it 
And you see the sheep herder lady pregnant, waving goodbye. Like, she's not even sad that her two dudes are leaving. Yeah, everyone's so happy that they're leaving. Because, I mean, the men are back from their island. And then we get that time jump where it's... um, Present day, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it would be in the 90s. Not I don't know. It looked, it looked a lot more modern. I don't know. They're putting into like gray hair, makeup, and whatever. And the right. lieutenant comes back, and you know everyone's doing modern stuff. <laughs> whatever that means. Yeah, it's like a tourist location. Yeah, it'd be that whatever that island they're on now is a tourist location because he comes on some like charter boat thing with other people. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, the what's her name? Veslicia. Vasilisa. Vasilisa. She's the sex worker woman who marries Farina. During their conversations, she says that she would want to open her tavern, her own tavern one day. And apparently they did because the lieutenant comes to a restaurant called Restaurant Vasilisa. Mm -hmm. And Farina's there. Yeah, and, and but you see the grave of Vasilisa, so you know oh, yeah. immediately that she's passed she's away. She's passed now. away. He's there, and that's why he's there is because he's Farina like Farina sent notice to you know a few people on the troop, and he's like, oh, I wasn't sure if you're gonna come, but thank you. Uh huh. <clears throat> and Larusso is already there. He's like coming to the back, and Larusso's here, and they just like bond, and that's the end. And that's it. Yeah, it's not not even like anything like worthwhile like hey have you heard of so and so what happened to this guy or what have you been doing your entire lives I don't know yeah it's a very pointless movie it's not good for comedy and that's what it was supposed to be Um, it had some good fun music yeah, the music was fun. Except for the whole gun shooting fake noises. That's, yeah. Everything else was fine. The music wise or just, you know, just the, the fake Looney Tune noises. <laughs> yeah, but that's also pretty common with just, if you have like stock sound effects for yeah. gun ricochets, then that's what you're going to get. So... I don't know. It's um, not worthy of a nomination. Certainly not worthy of a win. No. <laughs> but there we are. Now we've now we've seen it. Um, yeah, there's there's really not much to get into with the plot of this thing. Oh, we we watched the VHS. Oh yeah. And there were two previews because this came out, I think, in '92. Yeah. Right, because it was it was released after the Oscar win was done, um, and so you had previews for movies that are not part of the podcast. Dolly Parton starring in Straight Talk, mm-hmm. and then Captain Ron. It's like two most random. Like you see these silly movies, and then you're watching this movie that I guess is also silly. Yeah, they're all comedies. Captain Ron even I mean, has the, connections to straight, the ocean. Straight and, Talk and, and Captain Ron are like actual comedies. I will 
trust your opinion. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, they're probably a little bit more entertaining than this one. Uh, In terms of awards, uh, aside from the Oscar win, it there's a, there's an Italian Golden Globes, a, uh-huh. a completely separate award show for the Italian Golden Globes, and there it won the best score, and it was nominated for the best feature film. It did not even win the Italian Golden Globes for best film. Uh, that went to a movie called The Conviction, which is not on our list. See the even the Italian people, right? Didn't agree with <laughs> with us. Although at the or David the D. Donatello Awards, yeah. which is more geared towards Italian cinema, it did have many nominations and it did win Best Sound, Best Editing, and Best Film, uh, along with another movie called Towards Evening, which uh, is considered to be a 1990 movie for us. So, And The Conviction, which won the Golden Globe, was not nominated at all at the David D. Donatello. So there's a big wide discrepancy amongst Italians, I guess, even for this year as to what the best movie is. Um, But long story short, this doesn't have a whole lot of prestige aside from this weird Academy Award win. Mm -hmm. So, uh, in terms of cast and crew, I won't go over a whole lot of people, though. We got Gabriel Salvatore as the director, done other movies, several other movies, like Sued, Nirvana, I'm Not Scared, Italy in a Day, and The Invisible Boy. Enzo Monteleone did uh, was the writer. Also wrote two other, I'm sorry, three other 1991 movies. Americano Rosso, La Catedra, so the cathedral, and then Chidi La Luna. I don't know what that, Children of the Moon? Child of the Moon, maybe? I don't know. I don't think that's Chidi is probably not child. No, I don't... Something of the Moon. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it's like we're playing like a child in italian is that no no probably not maybe it's just it's a bambi- name. bambinos or like oh yeah 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 teeny. duh but, uh, so, so it's probably just someone's name okay genie <laughs> <laughs> luna i'm like screaming it out as if we're playing like charades or something yeah uh also wrote marrakesh express uh el alamin the line of fire nicolo nicola Larusso was played by diego Abatan Tuono, five-time <laughs> nomination for a David Donatello Award for acting, uh, and won a special award in 2021 for his entire career. He'd been in things like Marrakesh Express, The Best Man, I'm Not Scared, Grand Hotel Excelsior, and many, many, many more. Um, the lieutenant was actually named Rafael Montini, but they basically only called him the lieutenant in yeah. this movie. Uh, played by Claudio Bigogli. Bigogli? Sure. I don't know. I'm going to get a lot of these wrong. Sorry. <laughs> I did not do any pronunciations for no. this. It could be just Bigali, too. Yeah, it could be. B-I-G-A-G-L-I. Make fun of me in the comments if you want to. Uh, been in movies like Gangsters, Bim Bum Bam, Stella's Favor, and The New Pope. Giuseppe Sederna played Antonio Farina, the main character, really, secretly. Not obviously at the start, but becomes the main character. Uh, Donatello nominated for this and also a movie called Hamamet. Also been in movies like Nine, Man on Fire, The American Bride, Men vs. Women, and Women vs. Men. And then we also have uh, 
Vanna Barba, who played Vasilisa. She is a Greek actress who had been in a ton of Greek movies since 1985, and around this time was about her peak, and then like after like 90, 1994 or so, she kind of slowed down and just was in like a couple productions here and there. Um, but nothing that I recognize, so not a whole lot of like American crossover with the Greek movies that she was in. And then Yazu, who is that sheep herder who mm-hmm. didn't have a speaking role and yeah. evidently had a name. <laughs> she I, is in... Th- we did not learn any names. No. We saw her smile. And look over her shoulder and be naked. Yeah. Uh, played by I- Irene Grazioli. Uh, she's been in two other 1991 movies, especially on Sunday and Marcelino. And she's also been in The Red Violin. Um, it's a pretty small cast overall. Most of them, again, didn't have a whole lot of American crossover. A lot of them did additional Gabriel Salvatore's movies. So... There you go. That's what I got. We can move on to true crime and pop culture. It's it's uh, loosely based off this book that um, was written. They don't even say the author. His name is Renzo Biasione. And it was written in Italian. The book is called Sagapo. And I guess Sagapo in Greek is I love you. So it probably is in the voice like in Farina's voice like based off of Farina's life there Uh, so this movie was released January 31st 1991 that was a Thursday and it was the day before Popcorn was released Popcorn was February 1st 1991 and then a week before was Virgin High. Virgin High was released on January 23rd, 1991. I'm going to do the new releases of this week. It would have been February, as of February 2nd, 1991. And there's about seven new songs, new releases. So the first one that I have is coming at number 81 is the song I'll Be By Your Side by Stevie B. And Stevie B, he's known for uh, that song, Because I Love You. You know that song? We covered it before? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's his biggest song. I don't think I've ever heard this song, I'll Be By Your Side. All the songs that I listen to today are by peop- well-known people, but, like... B-sides and rarities or something of these people. And this was one of them. So I'll be by your side. It didn't achieve as much success as Because I Love You, but it peaked at number 12 on the Billboard Hot 100 and reached the top 40 in Canada. The next release, new release, was coming in at number 83 on the Billboard. 100 was the song Who Said I Would by Phil Collins and I went down a rabbit hole because I was looking you know Phil Collins had the album that came out in 91 this is where I get confused about when songs are released from albums like three years later you know oh sure yeah so I thought this song was on the album that had um, 
the album is called But Seriously, which also had the single Another Day in Paradise. Okay. But it wasn't. And when I was looking at... Because when I was listening to the song, I was like, this sounds like Susu Studio to me. Like yeah. the beginning. <laughs> The, yeah, the whole time I was waiting for him to say Susa Studio. So it's, it's when I, the exact same music. Yeah. So when I looked up Who Said I Would, and I looked up the album, But Seriously, whatever it's called, for, for Phil Collins, I couldn't find Who Said I Would on that album. And I was like, when was this song on any album? And it was on the same album as Susu Studio, which came out in 1985 on his album No Jacket Required. And then I so was... So was this like in a movie or something and got released? No, I, I found out that he made a live album in 1990. And oh. this was one of the songs on the live album. Because I was like, why did this song get resurrected somehow? The next new single that came out was the song Mother's Pride by... George Michael, which also I've never heard this song until today. And then when I was listening to it, I was getting really sad. (laughs) Well, like I was sad for like multiple reasons. Sad because like George Michael is dead. And then I was like sad because he has a good voice. And then I was like sad because of this subject matter. (laughs) And then I found out that this song is kind of like about the soldiers going into war during the Gulf War. So it's mm. about, it's a Gulf War song. Okay. And I was like, oh, this is actually a, a pretty song. But this song was on the album Listen Without Prejudice Volume 1, which is the same album that has Freedom 90 on it. The next new single that came out is num- at number 88 is the song My Side of the Bed by Susanna Hoffs. And once again, <laughs> it's like I've never heard of this song, but I know, I mean, Susanna Hoffs, you know, she's from the Bangles. Right. And this was on her debut solo album called When You're a Boy. And this was her first single this album was released january 29th 1991 so like a couple days before this movie and this was the first single the next single that kate that was debuted at number 89 is the song secret by heart that was on the album their album called brigade that album was released in march of 1990 and this is also the same album that has the song All I Want to Do is Make Love to You. Do you know that song? I must. Not by name, but I mean, like, I've heard, like, the popular heart songs. So okay. I'm sure you I've probably heard. have. I mean, that's that was the biggest hit on this album. And that was the lead single that was, it was number two on the Billboard 100, but in 1990. And then this was like the third or fourth single that came that was released on from this album. The last I hope this I think this is the last. No, I have two more. And the next single 
Coming in at number 92 was the song Together Forever by Lisette Melendez. And I've heard this song, but I didn't know it was sung by her because I thought it was like Taylor Dane because she sounds like Taylor Dane. Mm. And Lisette Melendez, she's, you know, uh, she was a freestyle Latin pop singer that this was her first hit and it reached uh, number 35 on the Billboard Hot 100. And the last single that was released, or then the last new single that was released this week at number 93 was the song Ride the Wind by Poison. And I don't know. I'm, I think I'm just not a fan of glam metal, I guess. <laughs> Like, very rare. (laughs) There are some songs, but this is on the album Flesh and Blood. And that album has the song Unskinny Bop on it. And Unskinny Bop is fine, but this is the second single. And, I don't know, I was just not into it. Plus, uh, like, I don't care about Brett Michaels. <laughs> <laughs> like, after watching Rock of Love, I'm like, this guy's fucking dumb. So we can move on to rankings and ratings then. Yeah. Uh, where on your one to five star scale are you going to put Mediterraneo? I'm giving this movie a one. It's a one. Yeah, on my zero to four star scale... Eh. On my zero to four star scale, I would say it's also probably a one. There's not much redeeming for me, personally. I wouldn't walk out on it. I didn't turn it off. I mean... There have been movies I've absolutely hated that I will still watch to the end. Unfortunately, like we had to watch this movie. I don't know. I was, like, bored after, like, 20 minutes. It did not start off that strong, and it never got good. Yeah, I I was just waiting for something to happen, and nothing happened. But, yeah, there's, there's just really not much meat on the bone in this whole thing. There's a whole bunch of characters, a whole lot of, you know, scenes, but... Very little actual plot. Um, every movie's worth watching once. Would you watch this again? No. <laughs> no. No. I, I mean, I was like... I was like I would rather watch The Ox again. I don't even hate The Ox. Like, no, I don't hate The Ox either. It was also just... It, that's just like a very grim movie. But I would rather watch grim movies than just like what this is just like I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean it's hard to describe it as anything other than just bland. Like it's 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 meant to be inoffensive, but that's what kind of makes it offensive. I'm just so baffled why this was nominated and why it won. But yeah. this is like well, why people get mad when, you know, you have, like, The Green Book or Crash winning. I mean, one of the movies, like, even older movies, um, A Man for All Seasons, I, I had to watch that movie in high school, and I hated it, and then when I found out it was a winner for best movie in, like, the 60s, I was like, why? <laughs> it's just, I don't know. 
I mean, yeah, award shows are largely po- uh, popularity Popu- contests. Yeah. And so, I mean, even when you just take a look at the list of critic-based movies, of top movies of all time, that changes, that evolves over time. And it's not going to include a lot of popular fan favorites either. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's really tough to say... But it also goes to show how, like, with music and any, any any piece of art, that some of the more hidden stuff deserves to be seen, but unless you have the right people talking about it, it's not going to. So that's what we hope to do with this podcast. This is this is not one of the ones we want to expose to you. Like, this is not no, like a Motorama. No, I, I don't know. You know? I this don't... is not a brighter summer day. This is not a double life of Veronique. This yeah, is... this isn't, like all the mornings of the world where I was like blown away by their cinematography this is just like this is just I an truly example thought of how it these was, lists can be flawed yeah I truly thought it was like a made for TV movie released in Italy or something yeah I would I would watch millions again over this oh yeah millions had like I still I want a soundtrack from millions because the music in <laughs> yeah. that was so good I mean the music in here was fine but the but music it's in very rare yeah I would watch millions more because that just like that actually made me laugh because it was like it was trying so hard to be dramatic but it was like laughable I don't yeah. know yeah it was a better comedy even, <laughs> even though, I though don't it didn't it was want to be, to be yeah mm-hmm if you out there want to watch Mediterranean, as of this recording in January 2023, it's only available on VHS or DVD, but check your local listings as that could change. Probably not. You can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. You can email us at 1991moviewrewind@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, YouTube. Just search 1991moviewrewind or go to 1991moviewrewind.com for the full list of movies along with show notes and more. Next week... We're going to be watching Jungle Fever. That's available on VHS or DVD. 